I'm going to pray and, and then share with you guys. Father God, Lord, thank you for today, God. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would fill me afresh right now, Lord, that you would, that you would uh, just give me the words, Lord, Lord, that you just direct and guide, Lord, that you would speak to each and every single one of us where, wherever we're at, Lord. God, that you would, Lord, that you would challenge us, Lord, that you would stretch us, God, that we wouldn't leave this place in the same way, God, that we wouldn't leave this place with the, with, with the same expectancy, God, that we would have a bigger expectancy in you, God. Lord, I pray that you would stir us. Holy Spirit, come and fill each and every one of us afresh and just minister to our hearts today. In your name, amen. Amen. So guys, we're in this, um, we're in this series called Covenant Reality. Sorry, we're in this series called Healing and Miracles at the moment. And um, we're in part two of that today called Covenant Reality. It's great to be here with you guys. Great to be speaking with you. I hope you guys have all had great, great weeks. Maybe, who knows, if, if you had opportunity after, after last week to be praying for people, seeing any healings, come and tell me after the service. So last week was called Foundations of Healing. And what we're doing is we were looking at biblical foundations for standing on for healing. And today, what, are, what, what we're going to do is kind of, it's similar in a sense, but just different in as far as it's, it's still a quite it's very foundational, but it is unpacking the spiritual reality of covenant that's running, that, that spiritual reality that we live in the whole time, the reality behind healing and miracles. It's the spiritual reality which the enemy's always going to try and shut down, always going to try and warp and get us to think, think differently, think that maybe we need to earn something, that we've got to be good enough for something. But the thing is, you know, if our understanding is off, if our understanding's broken on something, if we don't understand it, how can we live in that? And that's a big part of coming to faith, isn't it? Having our mind renewed, renewing our thinking towards things. So what's going on in your mind is important. What, what's in your understanding over a certain area? It's important. What do you see? What is it that you see? You know, what is it you see? You see kids kind of running along, like, when it's the game, isn't it? Don't step on the crack, otherwise you'll break your back. You know, well, imagine if you actually went through life and you believed that. And some people do kind of go through life like that. As I prepared, I was, it was quite a challenging one to prepare. And um, I felt the Lord give me this picture, this word, and that the picture was about the feeling of what I feel he wants to communicate today is about putting on a jacket that fits put on this jacket that fits and I've, I just heard him say some think that the jacket doesn't fit that it's baggy that there's some kind of tailoring that it looks funny that I, that we need to sort it out in some way get ourselves to a certain point and then we look right but I found him saying encourage it fits you it fits you you look great and the words around that that I particularly had were confidence and ease confidence and ease because I know this subject of healing and miracles so often when we walk in it and think about it confidence and ease are not 
the things that are floating around inside like our inner reality when we step out to it. Sometimes it can be a lot of discomfort and I'm not and doubt about what's going what's gonna to happen. And so it's that feeling, you know, when you get new clothes or you just had your, your hair cut and you look great and you feel confident. It's that feeling that I feel that the Lord wants to bring to us or remind us about where we're like, yeah, I, th- I feel great. This is good. But it's not a confidence in our appearance. It's not a confidence in, it's not confidence in how, how we look or in ourselves. It's a full and total confidence knowing that our confidence and ease is coming from him. It's a confidence in him, a confidence in his finished work for our standing before him, a confidence in being or exhibiting his workmanship, living as his workmanship, being his workmanship in the world. It's a confidence in a righteousness that we haven't earned, but that we have been given as a gift. And so for that, what we're going to do is going to be looking into the truth behind this spiritual reality of covenant, the stuff that's going on in the background. I just suddenly thought, can you guys hear me okay at the back? Yeah? That we live in that place, that we don't, that we let that be more real to us than any doubt, fear, experience, the kinds of things we spoke about last week, those things, right? I believe the Lord wants us to kind of have a scales of our eyes, but the eyes of our heart sort of pulled away, pulled down. I believe there's something in today that he wants our hearts to be, to be emboldened because often we know it, but then we just don't, we just don't live it. And not through religious fervor, not through this confidence in, hey, I'm actually just going to be really weird and offensive to you or like very awkward and create a really awkward situation. But through a confidence in him. So before we really get into it today, I want to tell you guys a story. I want to tell you a story. This week, I was chatting to a guy that we met in the UK, but he's a Nepali guy and he was in, he's, he's based in Nepal. And he, he runs quite a small network of churches in Nepal. And, um, you know, I hope this guy will be a good friend to us one day. I hope we can work together, do mission stuff together. You know, it's the church's heart, isn't it? To see churches planted in Hong Kong, Asia, and, and beyond. But I was chatting to this guy. And, get, you know, when you're getting to know someone, I, was, I asked him just to see where they're at with sort of Holy Spirit, healing, things like that. And I said, tell me, do, do you experience many healings there in, in Nepal? And he said, he said to me, to tell you the truth, 80 percent, 80% of all believers that we know in Nepal have come to faith because they were miraculously healed by Jesus. I was just blown away. It's amazing, isn't it? That they've experienced the kingdom, that they they experience the king, that they experience the reality and, and then believe it and live in it and because it's not just one guy doing all that it's, it's just rolling on and then he said something which blew my mind even more he said this he said and actually in many of the rural areas where there's very kind of extreme Hinduism there's very entrenched Hinduism and Christianity is a small small minorities within the villages said it's very normal for us to hear stories where actually in these families very Hindu families where after medicine doesn't work and 
the doctors say, sorry. The, the Hindu families say, take your relatives, or you, you need to go say to their relatives, you need to go to the church. You need to go to the church to get healing. I'm just, wow, that's amazing, right? What faith they've got, what expectancy of God they've got that the Hindus are saying, go to the church for healing. You know? I think there are probably millions of Christians around the world today who wouldn't recommend people, hey, go to the church for healing. Healing must be such a normal reality in that place that even those who follow other gods say, oh yeah, go to those guys. Go to those, because there, we don't fully understand it, but they worship Jesus and this guy who's the head of the church, people get healed there. You know, I wish for one day that's the experience in Hong Kong, that people say, people who are struggling with stuff and you know, like Hong Kong, unless you've got private, maybe it's very difficult. You've got to wait till, I don't remember Jess with like a, th a thing during pregnancy. She had to wait until probably the kids would have been about 15 before she could have got seen, you know? Wouldn't it be awesome people saying, well, if you've got to wait two years, why not just go to the church? Have you thought about going to the church? I hope that happens for us. You know, our challenge, I was challenged to have the faith of those that those Hindus have in going for healing. Those guys, though, the Hindus there, they've got nothing to stand on except that experience of what they're seeing. And experience is cool, but like we said last week, we can't base it off experience because sometimes experience changes, right? But we need to stand on the truth of his word and the truths, the realities that are revealed through his word. Because there are many realities we're being told about, left, right, and center, all the time. This is how existence is. This is how life is. But the Bible says, no, this is how life is. See, the truth that we're focusing on today, which touches, it actually touches more than just healing and miracles. However, because we're in the series, we're going to speak in the context of healing and miracles. It's a core spiritual reality, which when we understand, it completely renews our thinking. It's challenging. It's challenging. And there's, there's a bunch of caveats through this, but we're not going to stay here for like five hours to deal with every single off-channel and a yeah, but, and yeah, but. We'll, I hope that they'll be answered as we go through the, the healing series. But here's, we're going to get into it now. The new covenant in the blood of Jesus. That's what we're looking at. It's this covenant reality. The new covenant in the blood of Jesus. Guys, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. See, let Jesus be our perfect theology. He is perfect theology, isn't it? He's our example. He's our hope. He's our righteousness. Like we saw last week, he's our healer. That by his stripes, we're healed. We looked at that last week. Luke twenty-two twenty, and just the end of that verse, part B, says, this cup, this is Jesus speaking, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you in the new covenant he takes away the curse he's taken away the curse that is upon us because of the law the law which is all wrapped up in and part of the old covenant we know these things galatians 3:13 it says christ redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us he was cursed for us for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now hold that in your mind, that you were not cursed and he was cursed in your place. 
speaking about the cross, where he hung on the cross and was cursed for us. And it's easy to miss this thing of covenant that's kind of running in the background. But to a Jewish world view, to their understanding of covenant, that would have blown their minds about what Christ did, what God did through Christ for us. Do you know what covenant is? Because we have that word and it kicks around today, but the actual deep reality of the truth of covenant is enormous. It's the most serious, unbreakable kind of promise. The closest we have today is marriage. But it's not a great example because many people break marriages today, don't they? And they're not killed for it. But in biblical times, if you broke a covenant, it meant that you had to die you had to die. It meant you being totally wiped out, you and your people being completely annihilated. It meant that you being cursed and receiving on you, and you'll see in a minute, the curses that were pronounced at the making of the covenant. See, covenants were designed to cover over weakness. Covenants were designed to cover over each other's weaknesses. So what you'd have is two tribes that come together. One would be great at fighting, but they were just horrible at farming, you know. But then this other tribe, they would be terrible fighters, but they were incredible farmers. And they would come together and they would make a covenant and say, I will cover your weakness with my strength. I will cover your weakness with my strength. And the other tribe would say, we will cover your weakness with our strength. I will come and fight for you. I will fight for you. I will defend you. I will never let you down. Even to my last and dying breath, I will break through for you and I will fight for you. I will feed you. I will resource you. I will provide for you, even in famine, that we would, our people would starve together and we would share everything, that I would completely resource you. They were mutually beneficial covenants. That's what the covenant was. They were promises that they had to keep, that they couldn't not keep. And then after the promises, they spoke curses and pronounced curses. Horrible stuff, terrible stuff, that should you break covenant, this is what would come upon you. This is what would fall upon you. And they would take animals and they would seal the deal by sacrifice or killing the animals, but also say things like, let it be done to you if you break covenant as has been done to this animal. Should you break the covenant? Let your blood be shed if you break this covenant. So it's pretty bloody, okay? pretty intense stuff. It's not a casual arrangement. It's binding in a way that is stronger than any business contract. It's binding to death. And so this is, and all those covenant promises that are made at the beginning that uh, cannot be, cannot be cancelled. They have to be kept. When the Bible speaks of the promises of God, it's speaking, it's referring to covenant promises. It's referring to covenant promises. So the new covenant, the New Testament, it isn't something which we need to earn. It's not something which we need to achieve. It's a covenant of grace, isn't it? It's a covenant of grace, but it's still a covenant. They're still covenant promises. That's why Paul writes and can write in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God are yes in Christ. 
For all the promises of God are yes in Christ. Who's Christ? It's in his blood, isn't it? The blood of the new covenant. The, the old covenant required total obedience. The old covenant required total obedience to the law to show us the effects of sin. It was that schoolmaster. But in that covenant and living under that covenant, we were under that curse, the curse of the law, the very curse that Christ became the curse to set us free from the curse. We deserve death. We deserve death. It's pretty heavy, but we deserve death for our rebellion against God. And the law showed us our rebellion against God and showed us our need for a saviour. It showed us that actually in our weakness we needed his strength. We needed someone to come and cover our weakness with their strength. We needed a covenant partner. We needed a covenant partner. Mankind needed to pay for the sin. Needed to pay for sin. For breaking covenant. A man needed to pay for sin. We deserve death as a people. Deserve death. But Jesus became a man and he became sin for us, didn't he? He became sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Why did God make a new covenant with man? Why did he bother? Right, we'd already messed up a bunch. Why did he bother? There was nothing in our new, in our new covenant agreement that we do, right? that, we, that, that is not mutually beneficial for God. He had no weakness that we could cover. But because he loved you, because he loved you, he totally covered your weakness, your mess-ups, your failings. He covers them with his strength. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. That he is our strength. We've got to get that, guys. That he is our strength. He doesn't, that he paid the price for our sin, for our breaking of that covenant. We deserve to have our blood shed in penalty for the sin of breaking God's law, for the sin of breaking covenant. But instead, his blood was shed so justice might be fulfilled. That, that old covenant justly ended, not just, actually forget about it, we'll just end that. It justly ended. Because if you break covenant, blood must be spilt. And his blood became that sacrificial lamb, that sacrifice for our forgiveness, but also the establishment of a new covenant. He ended one. We get the forgiveness of sins through his blood, forgiveness of our rebellion towards God. And then there is the establishment, same thing, of a new covenant where he has become that sacrifice of establishment and his, his blood. It's his blood that's there, that we're not just saved from something, but we're saved to something. We're not just saved from our sins, from our rebellion, but we're saved to a new life, 
to a new life. The new covenant doesn't just end the old and save you. It is a new covenant that continues that we now live in, that we now live under. Saved to a new life of blessing, saved to a new life of favor, saved to a new life of living in covenant again with the Father through Christ. Isn't that incredible? That is incredible. But now this covenant that we live in is not a covenant of works that we should be punished and that we should mess up but it's a covenant of grace that we live in now. It's not a covenant of works, it's a covenant of grace. Hebrews 9.15, for this reason, Christ is the one who arranges a new covenant so that those who have been called by God may receive the eternal blessings that God has promised that they may receive the eternal blessings that God has promised. This can be done because he has been, sorry, there has been a death which sets people free from the wrongs they did while the first covenant, the old covenant, was in effect. So the promises, the blessings of the Lord are now not conditional, not based on our performance as was in the old covenant, i.e. obedience equals blessing. But now they are yes and amen in Christ. For all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. That needs to be a reality that we live in, guys. That needs to be something that we, that we hold on to. That needs to be a covenant story that we believe and live in. That's played out upon the, the tapestry of our faith. Played out upon the tapestry of our understanding. Something that's actually impacting our faith. See, because if the victory of healing is only as good as you kind of feel, and if the likelihood of healing is only as good as your confidence in yourself, or how at ease, this word confidence at ease, how at ease you are in yourself or in the situation or something, then your faith isn't in him, it's in something else. It's in yourself, it's in your ability, it's on what the circumstances are like. If that's the case, will always be blown around, stumbling to and fro. Faith will be something within us that's more like how we're kind of feeling, like a spiritual zeal in a sense, rather than a deep conviction of the reality, the covenant reality that we're actually living in and functioning in, the, the, this reality that's just flowing from us. So there's a challenge there, is what covenant do we live in? And maybe you're living in the new covenant, but we live in the fullness of that. So when you read new covenant, another word for new covenant is new testament. That's what the two books mean. Old covenant, new covenant. Old testament, new testament. When we read from Matthew onwards, and actually a bunch of the old testament speaks forward to this new covenant as well. Where's your mind at? Where's your understanding at? Do, do you see that the covenant isn't a maybe promise? It's so desperately serious, so certain, so 100% that it's going to happen because it's a covenant. You see, God could have promised us stuff and based it just in his character, couldn't he? Could have just said, just had it based in his character, kind of casual arrangement. And that should have been enough. But he doesn't doesn't even do a kind of written contract. He bases it in the most serious commitment that mankind's ever known, ever known. And he binds himself to us through that. I find that incredible that he chose to do that. That he wants us to so assuredly and so certainly know 
his heart towards this thing, his commitment towards you. Wow. He could have just said, trust me, I'm God. But we want some assurance. Just trust me, I'm God. You're going to have to take my word for it. But he makes a covenant with us. Do you know what that means? That means that if you're in him, he's covenanted himself to you. That's enormous. That your, that your righteousness that you have received by grace through faith is a covenant promise. That's why we have such assurance of our faith. When someone asks you, hey, how are you so convinced that, that you'll go to heaven when you die? How are you so convinced in your faith? It's because God made a covenant with us that he said, I will have to die. God has to physically die before he would break his covenant. And actually he did die, didn't he? For you to establish the covenant. What a certainty we have in salvation. If you're uncertain about salvation, you need to get this. What certainty we have in his promises because they're based in his covenant. It's this covenant of grace. The promises come by grace. None of the promises are a result of our works. See, on the cross, Christ died and became a sacrifice for many. He made the way so that by faith in him and his work, we could enter covenant. So death has been dealt with. We can never, we can never die when we're in that place. We can, ne- we can never die. Maybe in this life, our bodies die. To live, what was, how's the verse go? I don't have it here. Um, I've forgotten the verse completely, but I know it ends. To die is gain, right? To die is gain. We've got to get this eternal picture, this eternal picture of his victory. What certainty we have in him. It's amazing. A life of fullness. A certainty in his promises. See, the curses, sin, death, and a whole lot more. They're actually declared in Deuteronomy 28. But when we were in worship, God said, I don't want you to dwell on them. So we were going to spend some time in them. So um, Lee, I'll catch up in a minute. But the, the Mosaic Covenant, and they are horrible. They are absolutely horrible if you read them. If you have interest, they're Deuteronomy 28, 15 to 68. The stuff that will happen if you break covenant with God. Thank the Lord that we live under grace. But now we live in a different covenant. 2 Corinthians 1.20 again. Second Corinthians, it's maybe like four slides down, Lee. Second Corinthians one twenty again. For all the promises of God are yes in Christ. Not yes in my obedience, guys. Not yes in my obedience. For all the promises of God are yes in Christ, not yes in your ability. For all the promises of God are yes in Christ. And so if you are in Christ, they're for you. They're promises of grace. In the same way... This new covenant saves us, right, from the curse of disobedience. It changes the nature of the blessing as well. It changes the nature of these covenant promises. They're now not dependent on obedience or disobedience, but they're dependent on grace. They're dependent on grace, which we only find in Christ. For the promises of God are yes and amen 
in Christ. And I know, guys, I'm banging this drum a bit, okay? Like, just, and, but I don't want to say it once and you don't think that's the main part of the sermon because that's so crucial, it's so key. If you get one thing, take that one thing away from today, that we're living in a covenant of grace. His blood of the new covenant. And all the promises of God are yes and amen. Guys, it changes everything. Blessing isn't conditional. That be obedient, and as a result, I'm going to bless you. A lot of people live like that still today. They believe in Christ as their Savior, but then they've got to work their butt off to get any kind of blessing from God. And they worry that if they sin and if they mess up, that actually, if they don't do enough, God's not going to bless them, that God's going to turn his face from them. But he died so that he could bring you into a new covenant where it wasn't based on your works, but it's totally based on his. Remember that two tribes, guys. If you think God will never forsake the blood of Jesus, will he? Remember the two tribes. When I, when, when I call for rescue, you have to come to me. You are covenanted to come to me. When I call and say, Lord, I need provision. We need, we need rescue. We need, we need provision. We need resource in this thing. I'm covenanted to provide for you, to feed you. I think Jesus even addressed many of those, many of those um, promises, didn't he? That are made. So we're going to come into it in a minute. He, if a tribe under covenant, just some people wouldn't break covenant, think how much more faithful God is. So it doesn't make sense for us to be surprised when God provides for us. He's covenanted to do it. We say, you know, God always provides. Yeah, God's always faithful. And many of us have experienced that. But actually, he's under covenant to do so. Not because we twisted his arm around his back, because he chose to, because he loves us so much, because he's a loving father. Let's go into the covenant promises at the beginning in that Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 28. So guys, we're at Deuteron- Deuteronomy 28, 1 verse. If you fully obey the Lord. Take this opportunity to blow my nose. Go through all these. It's my if you keep, yeah. keep rolling through. That's probably the next one. Yeah, that's it. Um, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. Remember, these are the covenant promises given to the people of Israel, right, when they're establishing the Mosaic covenant. Psalm 2, he, within Psalm 2, it says, Ask and I will give you the nations as an inheritance. Verse 2, all these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. The promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, not in obedience. So do you see the difference there? If you obey the Lord your God, this stuff's going to happen. We live in a different covenant. From three, you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herd and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be, will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. In Matthew, Jesus speaks into this kind of category of stuff, doesn't he? He says, be anxious for nothing. What are you going to eat? What, what are you going to wear? So. He speaks about the Father being, being the provider, being the resourcer. 
Does God not know what his children need? How much more is he going to give to you? Look how he clothes the lilies of the field. How much more is he going to give to you? Verse 7, the Lord will grant that the enemy who rises up against you will be defeated before you. Then will come at, they will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. Jesus reframes it, and he says the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. He says things like, resist the devil, and he's, he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. I've come, Jesus said, I've come to destroy the work of the devil. And to us, he calls us, doesn't he? He says, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Verse 8, the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's giving you. Our work, the things we're doing will be blessed. From verse 11, the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb the young of your livestock and the crops of your ground in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouses of his bounty to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the works of your hand. He's the provider. He's the resourcer. I've just gone through that and it kind of continues in this vein. But these promises are some of the very basic earthly kind of promises many of this kind of stuff fair enough we don't have kneading troughs and stuff like that at the moment but this kind of stuff like blessing our business bless making sure we've got enough money making sure we feed our family and got clothes that often that's like the extent of our extent of our wants the extent many people give their whole lives trying in their own strength just to get to that when that's kind of one of these initial beginning blessings in Jesus's ministry it's different because Jesus speaks around about about this kind of blessing this kind of provision this kind of doing well general life blessings but the new covenant is out of this world it's packed with blessings upon blessing of better promises. Better promises. Hebrews 8, 6 says, But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is, is as superior to theirs, as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior, superior to the old one. There's the new covenant. Since the new covenant is established, established on better promises. He's talking about the establishment of the promises. That's why, guys, I sometimes say when we read the New Testament, when we look at the New Testament, challenge yourself to not read one verse without your head being completely blown. Because we've heard it, if you've been in church for a long time, we've heard it so many times. We can just read the sentences, read the phrases, move on. Of course, we've, heard, we've read that many, many times, and we just carry on. I've got a friend in the UK, and he's an amazing guy, and he's, he's going through a season in his Bible reading at the moment where he says, every time I come to read my Bible, which he reads, every, he reads I think, three chapters a day or something, it, he said, I, what I've done is I've changed, and actually I think he's reduced the amount, and he's saying, I am refusing to leave my Bible study. I'm refusing to leave my Bible when my mind isn't blown by every verse. So he says sometimes, you know, I'm just there on one verse and just asking the Holy Spirit, blow my mind about this, like reveal and unpack the, the fullness that's within that thing. I think that's an amazing challenge. The word is amazing. It's not boring. It's, it's red hot, you know. It's, it, it's this alive thing that just speaks to us and that that's what 
this new covenant, this new testament, and much of the old, right, so that speaks in, about the new covenant, when we, when we read it, it should set our hearts on fire. Read Ephesians. Read Ephesians 1. I mean, I don't, it's just, it's an incredible, even just incredible book, but incredible chapter. It's just amazing. Let's take a verse from it. Ephesians 1, 3. Ephesians 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That is a new covenant blessing. That's a new covenant blessing. Not dependent on us, but one received by grace, which is found in Christ. It's pretty meaty. Every spiritual blessing. Just sit in that for a while. Sit in it. Every spiritual blessing. Something so easy just to pass over. Every spiritual blessing. The biggest blessing that, that we have is that we're brought back to the Father, that, we are, that we're made into a new creation, that we have salvation, that we have eternal life, that we've been adopted into sonship, that we've been filled with His Holy Spirit, and now we walk out day by day filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit. You know, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. Ephesians 1.3, it says that he blessed us, the Father God, blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What spiritual blessings are in Christ? Think about that. Think about that. The fullness of the Father revealed to us, Jesus Christ. Think of the fullness of the blessing that's within Him. But we've received every spiritual blessing in Christ. Salvation. Sozo life. That fullness of life, healing, by his stripes we're healed. Wisdom, he is total wisdom. Peace, he is the prince of peace. Joy, the blessing of his presence. See, you don't need to earn his presence. You don't need to be good enough or qualify enough. The Father draws close to us as we draw close to him. He never draws away from us. Just, just think about it. People say, oh, I've been singing, sinning too much. God's gone away from me. How does that work? Where do you find that in the Bible? You know? Jesus went to spend time with the sinner. He went to spend time with the sinner. He came to earth. He died to seek the sinner, to seek that which was lost. You don't need to earn it. Meditate on that. Every spiritual blessing that would be found in Christ, you have been blessed with. And it's part of the covenant that we live in, because we live in a covenant of grace, because there is literally no way you could ever earn any of those blessings. See, where have you been blessed with that as well? Where have you been blessed with that? In a kind of earthly way that's only applicable to us here? No. It says, in the heavenly realms. Okay, 
So does that mean we only kind of get that when we die, when we go into eternity? And there, there is, I believe, you know, even more revealed when we go into glory with God. But no. In the next chapter, in Ephesians 2, it says this. It says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ. See, he says in Ephesians 1.3, he blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 2.6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ. It's not future tense. It's not something that is going to happen. It's done spiritually. That's where we're at. You may have heard of the book by Sean Bowles called The Throne Room Company. Amazing book. Read that. Meditate on that. Why did he raise us like that? Why did he raise us like that? Why is this thing gone on where we've been filled with the Holy Spirit and we are now seated with the Father in the heavenly realms in Christ? Let's read the next verse because it's in the next verse. So he seated us in the heavenly realms in Christ in order that in the coming ages, that's now the ages of the earth, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Show who? It's not show a bunch of people who already know it in heaven, in the future. It's show the world. Show the world that through our living and our work upon the earth, we would reveal the incomparable riches of his grace, life, abundant life, that sozo life, healing, peace, power, miraculous good, victory over darkness. That in villages where they worship other gods, that Hindus would say, we have no idea how you can be healed, but there is a place over there. It's called the church. It's a place where they worship the one they call Jesus. Because his followers pray, and we don't get it, but people are healed. Life comes, the blind see, the lame walk, the sick are made well. Let's keep reading. For it is by, this is verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. That is not of yourselves. It's not of yourselves, it's by grace. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast so that no one can boast. That's new covenant, guys. Salvation, eternal life through grace. For we are, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. Other versions say workmanship, for we are God's workmanship. The Greek word here is the word poema. Literally in the Greek, it says, for we are God's poem. I think it's a beautiful picture that we are his poem drawn out upon the face of the earth created in Christ. Why? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, he will bless the work of our hands. Sure, there's all these promises. That's basic stuff. But he's also called us as a people to certain works, preaching the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. He said, ask the Father anything in my name and it will be done for you the revealing of the incomparable riches of his grace. That's the work. The revealing of the incomparable riches of his grace. How on earth can we do that? How on earth can we do that? Well, we've been blessed 
with every spiritual blessing that is in Christ. He's made us his workmanship. He's blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing that is in Jesus, that those promises, those blessings are yes and amen. Not in our strength, but in Christ. In Christ, not in our obedience, but in his obedience unto death. That's who you are. That's the covenant reality that you live in. The born again, child of a king, adopted, living in the blood and from the blood of this new covenant. That your mess ups and your screw ups and our mistakes, because we have them, right? We're human. We have them. We make them. That they are not too much for grace. People often say when, I, when someone sins, oh, they've fallen out of grace. But actually, it's the other way around. When you sin, you fall right into grace. You never, ever, when you mess up, you never fall out of grace. It doesn't mean it's okay to mess up and you just say, well, that's fine. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna live like hell till I get to heaven. It doesn't quite work like that. You know, the only thing that can derail this is if, even if it's subconsciously, we say, actually, that reality isn't true. It's unbelief, basing victory on our efforts and not on his promise. not understanding or not seeing this covenant reality and these promises that are based in covenant. Guys, what's the reality that you're living in day by day when you walk out, when you're faced with people? And it's scary sometimes. I was faced with a guy, in, it was in McDonald's actually, I was, pre I was preparing a sermon in Fotan, I was just having coffee. But um, everyone always feels like they have to say that when they mention McDonald's. I wasn't eating there. It's just, oh, what are you here for? Oh, just for a coffee. Um, so, and there was a guy and I felt, oh, am I going to go and pray for him? And I didn't. I didn't. My realities got jumbled up. What's the reality that we live in day by day? Not just for promises of salvation, but for all of his promises. There's no work of the enemy. It's something to think about. There is no work of the enemy that isn't a promise of Jesus or a promise that Jesus covers. There's nothing that grace doesn't cover. There's never going to be a moment where Jesus stops and says, ah, that thing, you need to now earn that victory. You can't, sorry, I have no victory over that thing that you have by grace. You need to gain victory over that yourself. You need to work through that thing. You need to earn the blessing. We left that one off the list. We thought it'd be interesting to see you guys struggle on that one. He doesn't do that. Often we opt to do that, but he doesn't do that. So guys, with healing and miracles, embrace that truth. Meditate on this reality that you're a people covenanted to God, that the promises are yes and are men in Christ. Stand in the incomparable riches of his grace, which are covenant riches. Call on his promises, knowing that they're covenant promises. So I'm just, we're going to end there. So I'm going to invite you to come back up. And um, we're going to go just now into a response time. Um, <laughs> And this is maybe different from what um, many churches do. Um, that it's this is a the, the service hasn't ended. This isn't a time of um, of kind of just a ministry time. I know often church will do ministry time at the end. What this is is a time for you to respond to God. 
whatever it, whatever it may be. Maybe God's been speaking a word into your heart for, for today over this thing. Just in the few minutes that we have now, speak to God about it. Because it, it's hard to remember everything and put time aside once you leave to actually respond to God about it. So please take this time to do that. If anybody would particularly like prayer for anything, put your hands just in your lap, face upwards and um, come around and come around and pray with you guys. If you have a word and you feel it's appropriate and there's an appropriate time, feel free to share it if that if that's for us. Maybe if it's for you, you know, keep it to yourself, but if it's if it's for the group then feel free to share. So now is this time that's about you and him. Give it to him. If you're here today and you know that you live in dead works, the Bible says we have to repent of our sin and we repent of our dead works. That you believe that your salvation is not based on him and what he has done on Christ's victory on the cross, but it's actually based on you and your life. That you have to be as good a person as you possibly can and then maybe at the end of it, God will let you into heaven. The Bible doesn't say that. If that's you, I want to invite you to receive this covenant of grace today. Whether you're here or you're listening on the podcast, if you want to make this commitment to God and say, hey God, I want to follow you today. And we're just going to pray together. Just so everyone's eyes are closed. I'm just, let, just pray this after me. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you, Lord, that you paid the price for my sin. that your blood was shed that I could be forgiven saved from death saved to a life under the new covenant I choose to follow you today Jesus and live in the full life of covenant promises you've made to me I make you Lord of my life today, Jesus. Amen. Guys, keep your eyes closed. If that was you and you're here and you prayed that, I don't wanna, I'm not going to embarrass you and call you out the front, but I'd love to connect with you afterwards and pray with you. Just pop your, just put your hand up in the air so everyone's eyes are closed. You prayed that and you want to start this journey with Jesus. Pop your eye, put your, pop your eyes in the air. Put your hand in the air. <laughs> Thank you. And if you're on the podcast, if you're on the podcast and you prayed that prayer, send us a message. We want to hear from you. We want to speak to you. We connect you with people in your location, church near you. We'd love to hear from you and pray with you. <laughs>